Welcome to the top-rated and award-nominated grad school mentoring podcast, the place for first-gen BIPOCs to learn about all things grad school, personal development, and sustainable productivity. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez-Vu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to successfully navigate grad school and beyond. For over 13 years, I've been empowering first-gen students of color along their academic and professional journeys, and I'm really excited to support you too. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. As many of you know, I started this podcast four years ago to provide a space to empower first-gen BIPOCs as they pursue higher ed. Over time, I've also been able to uplift voices of those systemically excluded from the ivory tower. Now that the show has grown, however, the podcast requires financial support to sustain itself. If you are a loyal listener, you can provide a monthly or one-time donation at the links provided in my show notes. And if you are a mission-driven company or organization interested in sponsoring an episode, please contact me at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com so that you can learn more about my sponsorship packages. If you found this podcast valuable in any way, shape, or form, I really hope you'll consider investing in the show. Every little bit helps. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. This is your host, Doctora Yvette. Today's episode is all about the top 10 episodes of 2023. That's right. I pulled the data from all of the plays for this year to pinpoint the top 10 episodes of the year. And I must say, some of what I discovered surprised me. What was most surprising to me was which episode was episode number one. And I'll hold off to talk about that one once we get to it. But I'm going to start with the, you know, going backwards from number 10 to number one. So number 10, what was the 10th most played episode this year? It was the episode on Postmasters Program Transitions with Ariana Aparicio Aguilar and Patricia Ayala. You might know them by their own podcast called the Chicana Code Switchers podcast. They came on the show earlier in the year, and each of them talked about their different educational and career trajectories. Ariana talked a little bit about her experience starting out at the community college, then transferring to Sonoma State, pursuing her BA in sociology, then pursuing a master's degree in education, and ultimately pursuing a PhD in higher ed and policy at UC Riverside. Patricia, on the other hand, talked about how she pursued her BA in Chicano and Latino Studies with a minor in Spanish, as well as a Bachelor of Science and Business Administration at Sonoma State. She then pursued her master's degree in education and educational leadership at Cal State Fresno, and since then, she's been working a variety of jobs in education or educational support programs to help students transition into college. It was a really interesting episode because we got to hear how each of them made the decision to pursue a master's degree and why they did or did not pursue a PhD. 
So check this out. I'm actually going to show a really brief clip of the episode. And if you want to listen to it on your own, this is episode 173. Okay, here is the clip of this episode. And goal for me has always been to do a PhD. So even though it did take me after my master's program three more times to apply to get into the current program that I'm in. Um, like I was on a mission, like I'm like, I need that PhD. And it's kind of a survival mode or approach because as an undocumented person, I need to think about ways that I can get ahead and be deemed like worthy of staying in this country. And if not staying in this country, be more marketable if I decide to leave the U.S. and go to another country. Mentor, she's like, yeah, I couldn't even compete. The committee had gone through selecting more folks who had already uh, professional experience in higher ed and also who had already a master's. So she had recommended that I go back, get my master's and then pursue a PhD after that. So a lot of, again, the rules changed when it was applying. So it's just, again, the timing was off. And by the time that I graduated from my master's is when the pandemic started. So in 2020, I had to, I had decided then because of the lack of structure help. And also I was done earning about 10 to 15K as a part-time student because you can't really earn that much or have enough time to have a full-time job. In spot number nine is an episode on starting your self-improvement journey in five minutes a day. This was a solo episode and it doesn't surprise me that I actually have more solo episodes than guest episodes in the top 10. This has been true over the last four years that I've been producing and recording this podcast. And this one Episode 172 is all about how to work on your own personal development journey. And I talked about seven different areas of self-improvement that you can get started on. I mentioned my growth journal, and I actually provided a link to a free copy of my grad school femtoring growth journal. If you want to check it out, it's episode 172, and I'm also going to play a brief clip for you to listen to it right now. So here is a clip of that episode. If you can spend five minutes a day doing one of the following things, goal setting, logging your self-care, reflecting on your days and weeks that, uh, um, that have passed, planning your days, um, thinking about what you're grateful for, creating and checking off things on your wish lists, and journaling in general. You will be well on your way in your self-improvement journey. Again, I can't stress this enough. There is never a wrong time to work on your self-improvement. We are all a work in progress. It doesn't matter what age you're, you are. It doesn't matter what stage you're in in your personal professional life. We all deserve to focus on ourselves a little bit more from time to time and to really continue to get to know ourselves because we are all continuously in this process of becoming. And ideally, we are becoming the person that we want to be, that we are intentionally trying to be. Now, number eight 
out of the top 10 episodes of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast is an episode on how to manage doubt and uncertainty in grad school with Marisol Jimenez. You might know Marisol on the academic Instagram streets. She is the co-founder of the very popular platform Academic Amigas. And she came on the show to talk about how she manages doubt and uncertainty in her grad school path. She herself is a first-gen college student and daughter of immigrants. She is a current grad student, and she talked about how she has had to learn to reframe rejection, to start believing in herself, how she manages any emotional and financial challenges that come in within grad school. She also mentions issues of academic hazing and how she's been managing or working through that. And of course, she shares a lot of really insightful tips and advice for anyone who's also experiencing feelings of doubt. I'm not surprised this was a popular episode because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of engagement when I shared about it on social media. If you want to check it out yourself, it's episode 186. And here's a clip of that episode. Sometimes like you can be in such a toxic environment that no like letter of recommendations and no like positive notes to yourself and no calls from from your mom can be enough for you to survive in a space that is just never going to be good for you and honestly i i also think that like all of like me being able to have all of this conviction and positivity is also because i predominantly i think not like actually 100% in the last three years have only worked with women of color. Um, I have very good positive experiences as far as that. But for my peers who don't, I think we weighed out the pros and the cons. And like I said, there was no amount of yoga and meditation that can get you out of being in such a toxic place. Now, the top seven episode is an episode titled From PWI to HSI, What I Wish I Knew as a First-Gen Child of Immigrants with Alma Lopez. This was episode 185, and my guest was Alma, who has experience attending a PWI in undergrad and then an HSI for grad school. Alma herself is a first-gen child of immigrants, She's currently in a doctoral program at UNLV, which is University of Nevada in Las Vegas. And she talked about how she learned, you know, the, the, the differences in demographics on campuses and how that can deeply impact your experience as a student, your sense of safety, your sense of comfort. She didn't know the differences about um, Hispanic serving institutions and predominantly white institutions. And she only learned about that once she started applying and got into her graduate program. So she emphasizes the importance of having representation and support when you're choosing your own grad program. And she gives advice to anyone applying to grad school on things to consider when selecting grad programs. Here is a clip of that episode. So grateful um, to see myself reflected not only on the campus and the community, um, just everywhere, but I, again, I I did experience that moment of just feeling completely overwhelmed. And I felt a little sad that I realized all that I missed. 
out in my life from being in a small space, a white space, where a lot of times I felt unworthy. But then I realized being in this space, being in an HSI and being in the community where there's a there's a large Latina community, I realized that I'm not unworthy and I deserve to be heard. I'm worthy to be seen. I'm worthy to receive the support I need. And I'm worthy for my experiences to be taken into consideration. Now, taking spot number six is an episode on how to foster joy in grad school. This is a solo episode, and I get a little personal talking about how I myself struggled to experience joy when I was in grad school and how I used to perceive of joy as a privilege rather than a right that we all have. And so I, I, I talk about it. I talk about experiencing childhood trauma, mental health issues, financial insecurity, and other adverse experiences, and how I've learned through going on my own personal development journey how to make room for more joyful moments. And then I share some insights on how you yourself can also start to um, foster your own moments of joy, even if you are a current graduate student. You don't have to wait until grad school is over to start experiencing joy. That was episode 184. And here's a clip from that episode. I felt like I had more lows than highs in grad school. And I don't want that for you. I know graduate school is hard. It is a big challenge. There are a lot of hurdles and it can be a mindset, <laughs> to be honest, to go through all of these hurdles, especially if you're first gen, especially if you're a person of color, especially if you are different in any way, shape or form. But that doesn't mean that this program should rob you of your joy. And so... Taking the number five spot is an episode on effective pacing and prioritization techniques to prevent burnout. You know what? Historically, any episode where I've talked about burnout has been a top episode. This is not a surprise. This actually makes me sad because things haven't changed much in graduate school. You know, since I was in graduate school and probably for decades before I was ever a grad student, Burnout is so, so common. Graduate programs are probably far too rigorous and full of systemic issues that make it so that folks continue to work themselves to the point of burnout. So when I recorded this episode, I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of pacing and prioritizing. I talked about pacing because it is one strategy that I use as a form of energy management that helps me with managing my chronic illnesses. But I do think that it's a useful strategy that can be implemented by anybody to help them um, make sure that you're minimizing your chances of be burning out in graduate school. So I talked about pacing. I talked about different ways to prioritize because sometimes when you have a lot on your plate, it can become harder to prioritize. Or if you're in a very high state of stress, um, that can impact your ability to prioritize. So I talked a little bit about the importance of listening to your body. If you struggle to listen to your body, like I have for many years, becoming curious about your body, learning to trust and feel safe in your body, 
and to incorporate wellness and well-being activities within your workday. Here's a quick clip from that episode. It was episode 193. So when I talk about time management strategies, I do think it's essential to also talk about energy management strategies because we all go through different waves of energy levels, both throughout the day, throughout monthly cycles, and also even through seasonal changes and seasonal cycles. And so uh, pacing is managing those energy levels, those seasonal changes, those cycles that you may go through. And um, you do that by finding a way to balance between doing your work and taking breaks. And okay, that's pacing. So prioritization then is the act of ranking tasks. And you can rank them based off how important they are to you and also how urgent they are. So this is where deadlines um, come into play. Episode number four this year was another solo episode titled Expats of Higher Ed, Why Many Amazing Higher Ed Employees Are Leaving. Expats of Higher Ed is actually the title of a very big, popular Facebook group that exists of folks who are currently employed in higher ed or who are former employees of higher ed. And in both cases, folks were looking to leave academia. So I covered the topic of why are all these really amazing people leaving? What is going on? What does this have to do with the exodus of folks just in education in general that are leaving? I talked about many reasons why people leave, why I myself left, and also what you can do about it if you're currently in academia, if you're currently a faculty member or a staff member or in any position of power, and you want to make higher education a more hospitable space to retain more amazing employees. That was episode 176. Again, this, I'm not surprised that this was one of the top episodes because one of my all-time top episodes continues to be the episode where I talked about why I left higher ed. So this is related to that, episode 176. And here's a clip of the episode for you to check it out. It's a badge of honor to be busy and to be overworked and to do more. And if you're not, then you're seen as not up to par, as not good enough, as lazy, you name it. I've heard so many of these different things. And not only is that untrue, but to say that folks that do less, it, you know, aren't, can't cut it or aren't good enough is a form of ableism. So the culture of overwork is not helpful and it leads to burnout and it promotes martyrdom and martyrdom impacts who? It impacts women the most. It impacts caregivers. It impacts uh, people of color, BIPOC folks, because they are often met with an increased sense of guilt over service requests and um, needing to be there as a spokesperson for their culture, race, ethnicity, identity, you name it, because of the lack of representation in academia. So culture of overwork, along with burnout, along with martyrdom, are 
strong reasons why people are leaving. We're getting to the top three, y'all. In the number three spot is an episode on navigating unspoken rules as a first-gen professional with Aliyah J. Daggs. In my conversation with Aliyah, she talked about how she is a first-gen professional herself. She got her degrees in sociology and anthropology from Spelman College and then pursued her MA in higher education. And at the time, she was working as a res life coordinator at University of South Florida. As far as I know since then, she has gone on to pursue a doctoral degree. And in this episode in particular, she talked about her experience going from an HBCU in undergrad to an HSI in grad school and then a PWI as a res life professional. And she really gets into it. I love that she shares so many specific ways to advocate for yourself, to learn about how to navigate becoming a professional, how to learn about departmental cultures, how to navigate the job hunting process, the networking process, and how to, how to, you know, give yourself credit for everything that you're doing, how to create a professional identity, how to develop your own platform. It was a really, really good episode. I'm not surprised this one took the number three spot. I feel like even I learned some insights. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that some folks were networking that much, even more than what I've been doing. So keep that in mind. Listen to that episode if you are interested in learning more about being a first-time professional. It's episode 183. And here's a clip from that show. Yes, I think about departmental cultures a lot. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people tell you, oh, just, you know, you're supposed to get a job after you get your degrees and so you just look for a job and you look for a certain salary and that's it um which kind of goes back to my even my um graduate school story of okay it was free so I'm going yeah. um thinking about how does what are the departmental values when you look at their websites what are their mission statements do they do they align with the things that you care about and the things that you want to be a part of and I didn't really look at, I wrote them down, but like, I didn't like understand them or ask questions about them. Okay. Number two is episode 180, six ways to overcome dissertation writing anxiety. This was actually one of my favorite episodes to record because it's a topic that comes up a lot among my grad student clients. Dissertation writing anxiety comes up a lot. Writer's block comes up a lot. Struggling to focus, needing accountability, needing structure, needing support. And so I decided, okay, let me pinpoint some common obstacles related to dissertation writing anxiety. And so I specifically talked about procrastination, lack of motivation, time management, struggling with the research process, struggling with how to address feedback, dealing with imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. I know these are only six. There are actually a lot more that I could have addressed, but these are the top six, again, that comes up a lot for me in the work that I do as an academic coach. And also that came up for me when I was a grad student myself. And not only do I talk about them, but I share specific strategies you can test out if you find yourself struggling with these 
dissertation writing anxiety related concerns. And I remember every time I offer tips and tricks and strategies, take it with a grain of salt. We are not all the same. There's no one size fits all approach to anything. I, I don't believe in a prescriptive approach. I don't believe here, do exactly as I say and you'll be good. No. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, you know, learning to be curious about yourself, getting to know yourself better. That's why the key to what I do in my work, in my coaching, and my speaking is to really make sure that folks work on their own personal growth journey because the more you know yourself, the better off you'll be at managing everything that's part of your life, including your workload if you're a grad student. So, Check out this episode as episode 180, and here's a brief clip of that episode. And then the other thing I want to say that's very, very important is to reframe what you count as writing. There's so many things that you can do that can count as writing. You can take notes while you're reading something. You can journal out your thoughts and feelings about why you don't want to do this. You can record a voice memo on your thoughts of the um, related to the topic and then transcribe it later. You can work on a thought bubble or a mind map to connect different ideas together. All of that counts as writing. So next time you think you didn't do any writing, think, well, were you thinking about the project? Did you work on it in some way, shape, or form in some facet that can eventually be put on the paper? Okay, then you're working on your writing. So that, those are very, very important. <laughs> they hopefully will help you also with combating procrastination and minimizing your writing anxiety. Okay, now we've made it to the top episode this year. I am very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised, I should even say, because I was really close to not recording this episode at all. It felt quite vulnerable to record it. This was episode 179 on surviving college and grad school as a highly sensitive student. You know what? <laughs> I, in this episode, I talked about neurodivergence, the differences between neurodiversity, neurodivergence, and neurotypes, you know, what it means to be neurodivergent versus neurotypical. And I talked about high sensitivity or being a highly sensitive person as one lesser form of, or sorry, not lesser form, lesser known form of neurodivergence. I then went into talking about how high sensitivity impacted me in my undergrad and college years. And if I could go back in time, what advice I would give to myself and to anybody to improve their higher ed experience if they too are highly sensitive. You know what? Even though I'm surprised about it, now that I think back, reflect back, when that episode came out, I had multiple people send me messages saying, oh my goodness, you described me to a T. I've struggled with what you mentioned. I think I'm highly sensitive too. I had forgotten, it just hit me right now that I did receive a couple of memos from folks who were deeply impacted by the episode. And here's the thing, I have a really terrible memory. When folks send me kind messages, if I remember to, I try to save them. Of course, I know, saving the, saving the information while keeping 
the the person's name anonymous, but I don't I don't publicly share a lot of these messages. I keep them to myself. And I do wish that more folks would share some of their impressions of these episodes on Apple Podcasts, like on leaving a review with a comment just to let me know what are your thoughts, which are the episodes that most impact you, which are the episodes that made a difference, which ones were your favorite episodes. That indicates to me what I should keep doing moving forward. What types of voices should I be amplifying? What types of topics should I be covering? And I know I say this a lot that I I hope that folks will leave reviews and not a lot of folks are motivated to do that unless I were to offer, you know, free gifts every single week. But uh, once again, like I say this a lot, if you have if you have found anything meaningful or valuable from the show and you're able to leave a review, please do it. Please. I appreciate your memos. They really make a difference when you email me, when you send me a direct message on social media. But it means even more if you're able to put that out there because when you put it out there, it increases the chances of other folks like you finding me and it helps me to keep a record of what folks are enjoying, what they're not enjoying, what they want to hear more of, what they want to hear less of. So that's my last little spiel about this. The first, the number one episode was on being a highly sensitive student. I'm, you know, sort of surprised, a little less surprised now that I look back <laughs> at um, thinking about some of the direct memos I received in response to that episode. And if you want to check it out, um, here's a brief clip of the show. It's more than that. People who are highly sensitive happen to have deeper cognitive processing to emotional, social, and physical stimuli. It's similar to having a sensory processing disorder in that you have a sensitivity to sensory stimuli. So how do you know if you're highly sensitive? There's a good chance that you might be highly compassionate. You might experience emotions intensely. You might think, analyze, and worry more than others. You might be easily aroused, easily stimulated, easily overwhelmed. You're sen- you might be sensitive to external stimuli. You might need more downtime than others. There also... Um, are folks who, if they're highly sensitive, they're probably also highly intuitive, highly observant, very thoughtful, like I mentioned earlier, very compassionate, highly creative, have a rich inner life, and can connect deeply with others. There's a lot more. There are actually multiple quizzes you can find online to determine whether or not you're highly sensitive. And um, I'll have to link a book that I read about neurodivergence and I'm blanking out on the name of the book so I'll I'll add it in the show notes if you see a link to a book Um, that book has a really really good list of characteristics of HSP but it focuses on neurodivergence in general Uh, so if you want to learn more about that topic I would recommend that book all right that was the last episode Uh, from the top 10 episodes in 2023. Now let me know, what do you all want to hear about in 2024? 
send me a message. Email me, grasgofemtree at gmail.com and say, Doctora Yvette, in 2024, I would love it if you covered this topic. I'm going to keep a list of topics, keep a list of potential guests. I love hearing from you. So please, please reach out. If you're up for it, leave a review. And that's it for this episode. I, you don't hear from me or if I don't hear from you, I hope you all have a lovely holiday season. And I'll be back next week with another episode. I'll talk to you all later. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you like what you heard, here are four ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The second way is to get your copy of my free Grad School Femtoring Resource Kit, which includes essential information to prepare for and navigate grad school. You can access it at the link in today's show notes. The third way to support my show is to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram with the handle at gradschoolfemtouring and on LinkedIn by searching my name. The last way to show your love is to sign up to work with me via my Grad School Femtouring Academy, my group coaching program for first-gen BIPOCs seeking to work on their personal growth and gain sustainable productivity skills. You can learn more at gradschoolfemtouring.com slash academy. Thanks again for listening and until next time.